Planet Worker, a world in development. Human Agency and International Development Series, Episode 2 Development in the 20th Century Modernization and Economism. Commentators from a variety of ideological perspectives agree on the significant progress made during the period 1948 to 1990 to improve the general well being of the world's population viewed according to macro indicators of life expectancy, health, income, literacy and education. In the influential Oxfam Poverty Report, Kevin Watkins in 1995 summarised these profound changes in the second half of the century as being, the five decades that have elapsed since the UN was founded have witnessed some remarkable changes. Global economic wealth has increased sevenfold, and average incomes have tripled. The record of advancement in human welfare, measured by increased life expectancy, falling infant mortality, improved nutrition, and increased educational attainment has been unprecedented. It was an era of rapid aggregate economic growth. Yet a number of perspectives emerged to argue that an economistic focus on aggregate economic outcomes hid a deeper social process that resulted in greater inequality, increased marginalisation of poor people and deteriorating quality of life for many. Indeed, development literature is rich with commentary on the contradictory effects of global development efforts and in particular the tension between a focus on economic strategies and outcomes and human well-being and experience. Robert Chambers, for example, had argued that increases in aggregate life expectancy, literacy and education have been matched by increases in deprivation and the concentration of poverty. More pertinent was the view that the ideological orientation underpinning development was firmly established during this period and that this was premised on particular notions of economic and social models of modernisation. The development decades of the 1960s and 1970s were dominated by a development outlook heavily influenced by two theorists that laid the foundation for development in the decades to follow, Walt Whitman Rostow and Milton Friedman. Rostow's takeoff model of economic growth argued that economic modernization occurs in five stages and featured as a key element in the theory of modernization of societies. Based on a linear five-stage model of economic growth, Rostow in 1960 presented his theory as a direct critique of and an alternative to communism and Marxist economic theory. Indeed, the title of his book expressly presented it as non-communist manifesto. The basic premise of the model was that economic development required modernization of the economy, social structure and institutions which for Rostow would follow a Western capitalist path from traditional to mature or modern societies based on expressly Western capitalist economic models. In this approach, Rostow established development as a modernizing impetus and posited capitalist development as a political or anti-communist project, where the path from economic modernization to democracy was linear 
and in inevitable. Another influential modernization theorist, Seymour Lipset, had more directly argued the link between economic development and the establishment of liberal democratic societies. The more well-to-do a nation, the greater the chances it will sustain the democracy, he stated in 1959. Allied to this, Milton Friedman's economic development theory argued the centrality of capitalism and free markets to enable states to develop economically and the need to establish liberal societies to realise freedom for its citizens. Friedman's theory posited the absolute centrality of markets as economic drivers and the primacy of Western capitalism as the ideal for developing countries. While not directly focused on international development, Friedman's theory was instrumental in shaping the policies of the World Bank and International Monetary Fund, codified in what Williamson called the Washington Consensus, a set of ten policy actions forming a broad consensus amongst powerful global institutions. Indeed, such was the influence of Friedman on development that Schleifer dubbed the second half of the 20th century as the age of Milton Friedman. The theoretical connection between capitalist economism and liberal democratic political systems established by Lipset, Rostow and Friedman was and remains an enduring tenet of modernization and development discourse. Indeed, the relationship between socio-economic development and political democracy has also been the subject of an immense number of quantitative studies and debate. By linking the concept of modernization explicitly to liberal Western notions of democratic societies had a fundamental implication for the identity of the individual and of individual agency. The concern to establish a Western predetermined model of development allied to the achievement of a modern society imbued a sense of modernity with the liberal idealization of individualism. Berger in 1988 outlined this as the development of modernity in the West suggests a reciprocal relationship with individualism. Western civilization generated a distinctive individualism that was very congenial to modernity. In turn, the process of modernization greatly accentuated this individualism and, one may add, successfully exported individualism to other parts of the world. The presumptive links between capitalist economic development and democratic political systems with inherent notions of individual freedom established a conceptual frame for agency that is structural, in that individual agency could only be enacted in particular forms of state structure. For Rostow, Lipset and Friedman, individual agency conceptualized as freedom could only be manifested in liberal democratic capitalist states. This ideological orientation was also a key feature of global political contestation in the 1980s, serving to bolster Western pressure on socialist powers and states, and the international aid environment was influenced a great deal by the events and interests that define the international political arena. The momentous effects of the fall of the Berlin Wall and the end of the Cold War and apartheid 
not only signified the triumph of liberal Western development ideology, but immediately affected the directions and conditionalities of international aid by entrenching the key features of this ideology and bolstering the institution that enforced them. More recent events have had similar effects on aid, as, for example, the attacks on the World Trade Center in New York and the aftermath of political outrage led to a reformulation of aid programs to establish global governance of anti-US sentiment. By the 1990s, a range of analysts perceived international development as being driven by a set of powerful institutions that controlled and shaped global financial arrangements according to liberal economic and social theory and fundamentally shaped state-civil society relations, including financing, planning and delivery models codified as the Washington Consensus. International aid had become accepted as a form of international financial transfer between states, which had not always been so. As a relatively recent phenomenon, rooted in the emergence of the development decades, aid was ostensibly aimed at addressing problems of economic global growth and disparities in social development between more and less developed economies. As recipients of aid, nation-states played an important role to ensure economic and social change occurred within the confines of the dominant economic and political paradigm. Indeed, the central role of the state, either as an independent actor or as steward of its citizens' interests, became increasingly central to development aid, and a very large proportion of international aid was paid by governments to governments, either through bilateral arrangements or through international aid agencies. This created a form of global clientelism that increased the power and influence of donor agencies on recipient states, facilitating the transmission of economic and political ideological concepts into the national policy space. In addition to this, private individuals in developed states begin to contribute significant sums annually in aid through non-governmental organisations or NGOs, although these private contributions amounted to no more than one-tenth of the value of annual intergovernmental flows by the 1990s. Motivations for private development aid had moved away from the premise of philanthropy towards new imperatives and increasingly inequality was forwarded as the defining characteristic underlying the concept and motivation for development aid itself. In effect, the increasing focus on poverty and inequality represented a shift in the meta-narrative of development away from the centricity of the state and macroeconomic adjustments as key features of development. The starkness of these inequalities provided powerful arguments for development assistance and became a key rationale in targeting aid to recipients. Despite this, commentators increasingly called into question the relationship between aid and equality, with shrinking amounts of aid as inequality increased. By the millennium, the paradigm for international development was set around a concept of modernity that integrated liberal democracy with capitalist economism, embedded in an increasingly globalised institutional and financial structure. 
The legacy of this paradigm remains in the form of a dominant development ideology best characterized by what Hertzfeld in 2001 coined developmentalism, resting on the pillars of neoliberalism and institutionalism and founded on a modernization base. Indeed, the notion of development as progress towards maturity or modernity renders it interdependent with modernization. Development insists on staying in our vocabulary and many people seem to believe that a world without modernization concept of development simply cannot exist. Thus, embedded in the concept of development was a concept of modernity, what it is to be modern. According to Giddens, this idealized notion of modernity represented the social arrangement of contemporary society as a world that has superseded its past, as a society that is not bound by the traditions, customs, habits, routines, expectations and beliefs that characterized its history. Yet the modernization thesis was vulnerable to critique as a linear teleological model of progress towards modernity, following clearly defined paths and moving through stages of development. Modernization theory contained too much of an implicit idea of a stable social order to cope with, on the one hand, the weakening of the external boundaries of social entities, and on the other, the dissolution of the internal structures. This belied the concept of modernity as a process that did not see modern society as replacing the old, one which involved replacement of or destroying tradition. Instead, the process of modernity locates and contextualizes traditions as alternative contexts of decision-making and as alternative sources of knowledge, value and morality. Modernity, therefore, assumes the expression of the characteristic of becoming modern. For the scope of this podcast, neoliberal developmentalism presumes the expression of the modern in social and institutional forms beyond the political, being liberal democracy, and the economic, being capitalism. Through, for example, the valorization of technical knowledge and professionalization in the practice of development, and the positionality of the local as embedded with tradition, outlined in later episodes. Also, the idealization of the southern girl and her aspirations to the success of her northern counterparts by international NGOs in later episodes, and through the progression of the state to expressions of good governance typified by the Tanzanian context described later. Later episodes of this podcast series examine different aspects of this ideological legacy. Enjoy listening.